podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Arjit. Today, we have a really interesting guest joining us, well-known sports editor from India, who's, uh, by the way, very popular on Twitter these days. Hello, Shritama. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. No, I think it's our pleasure. So, you're one of the rare people I've met who's actually also very much into first-class cricket and test cricket. So, I was reading a tweet today about, uh, you know, Stuart brought bowling to Alistair Cook and what they achieved when they faced each other and so on. Yeah, it's really been a, an interesting match so far. But I don't, the way Essex are playing, I don't even think that they are going to like set a target. And Broad will not bat for the second time. So, the only way, I think, like they give a small target and, and uh, Broad, like Nottingham open with Stuart Broad. That's the only... <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, I don't see that happening. Because he, I think, bats eight or nine. But, I mean, nonetheless, would you want your favorite player to actually face fast bouncers again? Yeah. All right. I think you're braver than, uh, if I'd be so open about it, I think you're braver than him about his prospects facing a fast new ball. But anyway. I mean, he is over eight, I think. I think. I I think Broad is a very, you know, the, he, he lives in the moment. So... Of course, it was not a very good thing to have happened to him, but it was 2014. I know that trauma lives on, but Rod has pretty much picked up his batting since the last season and shows. He is actually pretty entertaining. Yeah. He was good at batting at one point, but now he's like all entertainment. No, I think he's gone back to being a merry tailender and he has that good hand eye. He still has it. So it sort of opened yeah. him out. He doesn't have the responsibility of looking to bat time. Yeah, like his, uh, like his dad, he actually, oh, like he was, used to be an opener till the age of 17. So he has quite a flair for batting, but then he knew what, what he wanted to become. So he changed. Well, I think uh, nature intervened. <laughs> he shot up, as the story goes. I think between two years in a summer, he became so tall that, you know, it, it was logical that he try out fast bowling. And that's what he did. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, I mean, I can tell you about the trauma of actually getting hit in the face and it stays with you for a while. It's not a pretty thing. You might be wearing a helmet, you might not be wearing a helmet, but a bouncer that catches you off guard is not a pretty thing. But I mean, kudos to him that he's come out. Happened to Craig, he's better, right? So, I mean, happened to many yeah. accomplished batters as well. You know, there's this uh, story. It's a joke, but it's also an anecdote. We don't know how true it is. So Mike Gatting once got hit in the face by Malcolm Marshall. And when he landed in the airport in the UK, somebody asked him, where was it that you got hit? He had a broken nose. So, so goes the story that even to accomplish batsmen, it can happen. So, I mean, I'll not go too much on a tangent, but that's why I think pound for pound, the best ever opener of all time is a certain Mr. Sunil Gavaskar. He's hit 700s against that West Indian pace attack in West Indies. So, that's that says something about his courage. How is the cold situation in uh, your part of India, Ritama? 
so i'm currently in bangalore and uh, like people think that delhi is facing the worst but that is resources wise that's the government's incompetence but in bangalore even i think that's but then people don't talk about the situation in bangalore which is very bad it has record cases in india it's the worst and that's why a lockdown extended lockdown has been called like it's a complete lockdown we have been uh, in curfew like proper almost a lockdown for the past 10 days and now it's going to be a complete lockdown so and twitter these days it's so it's so hard to see people suffering i'm like of course i have lost family i have lost friends and yeah my age friends my age so it, it's really traumatic i mean it's i don't know what to say that's very bad to hear that's that's terrible to hear just staying home that's it first of all my condolences that uh, you, you tell me something so serious you lost friends your age i mean i recently lost uh, somebody a friend i won't call him a friend i would call him an acquaintance he was also as well very young 28 or so that's very tough to you know listen and i don't come from very far away and uh, i i understand and i recognize what you're saying because i lost an uncle as well earlier this week so it's not a nice time yeah i lost a, i lost an uncle in december i lost my friend also in december he was my age he had other complications but then really sorry to hear that you know what covid uh, does to people with complications and right now people without comorbidities are uh, suffering and it's just so hard to see it's just not what we deserve definitely not this is this is something that i never thought i'd see in life indeed i mean with uh, you know aged relatives close ones living in that part of the world it's very tough it keeps us awake at night sometimes because of the you know? yeah you are so far away it's very difficult for you yeah. i can understand we pray to the gods as they are that uh, you know they keep uh, our loved ones safe all our loved ones safe so well look it's such a cruel thing it doesn't even leave anybody because people who probably have enough in their life in terms of facilities and money and other things we recently read that uh, cricketer veda krishnamurthy was bereaved because uh, she lost uh, her mother and sister in a span of two weeks that's that's very terrible isn't it yeah i learned about her sister's demise yesterday she passed away day before yesterday as far as i know and uh, like her mother passed away two weeks ago and it's it's really heartbreaking i cannot put it into words i i fall short of words and she was like after her mother passed away just if you just visit veda's profile twitter profile you will understand how compassionate she is because she's been sharing covid resources for everyone amplifying uh, covid resources so that you know she's using her followers uh, to help people i i cannot imagine like grieving and doing so much for the people i she is she is someone we should look up yes totally agree i mean these are our, let's say people who can look uh, whom we can look up to and also there are role models yeah there are, there are cricketers who have been helping and it's like really i look up to them. i mean you see somebody is donated 2 crores along with his spouse these are all great yeah. things right so i hope the captain did the indian captain did virat kohli did indeed so when you when you look at all this it is very nice that these people who have the wherewithal who have the facilities who have what uh, you know some people don't in india are able to actually uh, share their resources that's very nice to see and cricket as a community is standing up to sort of do its bit for uh, the rest of the society obviously 
the big topic for today's conversation is IPL getting postponed. I mean, I guess it was almost a no-brainer the moment uh, multiple multiple teams had uh, positive tests. What is what is your take on it? I mean, was the timing right to postpone it, or could it have been postponed earlier? Do you think? Basically, when IPL's date uh, dates and schedules were uh, announced at that point, we had a like we did not have the spike. The second wave had not started, so the bio bubble usually like BCCI's bio bubble is supposed to be very uh, like very strong. It's not supposed to be. It's impenetrable almost. Like that's what you think, and that's why uh, cricketers chose to come here. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, but they have done it, and like they've played across the world uh, in different bio bubbles. England started it first in July last year, so that was groundbreaking. When India started it, the dates, the schedules, the venues were all decided according to it. The second wave had not started. then uh, two players from kkr tested positive so at that point a game was uh, postponed but soon enough other cases came up so that forced the suspension uh, so i don't know what what to say about the timing because it's it's really not i don't think bcci even the government did not know that's the point even the indian government were like not ready for it why only blame bcci for it but then like what happened in psl it was uh, crowds were allowed uh, uh, and then one player tested positive and then later on they cancelled when five or six players had uh, tested positive so bcci took a leaf out of their book they did not allow crowds at all and that was one good take very good take because imagine crowds being allowed in the first leg and then i mean it would have been a very very bad situation so that was a good day and i mean the virus the second wave is not that easy. i think if it were the first wave this bio bubble wouldn't have been uh, penetrated but it's the second wave it's 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 sparing no but no one indeed i mean the ground situation became as such that you know no bubble is a bubble by itself because they need things on yeah. an everyday basis that they need to use even hotels where they stay and you know their transportation all of these things are not entirely confined within the bubble and there is always some some way in which this infection may get in and that's exactly what happened because the ground situation is quite worse in some of the cities in india even where they were playing for example delhi right it was quite bad and unfortunately multiple people from multiple teams so for example if somebody like uh, the bowling coach of csk balaji tested positive that means probably he's interacted with multiple people he's a, he's in a coaching role right and then you have to also think of how many people csk players may have met outside of you know maybe they had other people staying at their hotel other players that from other teams that they met and it could immediately simply the numbers uh, very difficult to uh, then track so i think it was the right decision for sure and as you say Yeah, this sort of a contingency, I don't think they ever planned for. There's no planning for it. I would put it like this. Yeah, that's what I I say. Like the government did not plan. The government did not see it coming. Well, I mean, we also have some Australians who who left because it looks like they did the right yeah. thing. They were afraid, and um, also certain people. Yeah, Zampa put it like what we actually read. His first quotes were, were like misinterpreted because. 
what he said was he felt vulnerable being in the bio bubble he did not say that the bio bubble is vulnerable so of course like he's maybe he saw some things that uh, like made him feel that or maybe he was seeing everything that was going on in india maybe that prompted uh, that action and zampa and kane which are leading that's their personal take and and the clubs uh, i mean the franchise uh, and the boards they have all been cooperative with the players so that's what is important so and bcci is taking full responsibility of the transport of these players so that is also again commendable i think those were things that were already sort of pre agreed i think in case of such a situation for foreign players to even come to india i think they would have had some sort of assurances given to them in terms of through their franchises or through the parent body bcci itself but all of these are good things so the way it ended was not the best result yeah nobody saw it coming it just ended suddenly within like two days mm-hmm. it stopped just the ipl was paused having taken the right call where do you see this the rest of the tournament for 2021 i mean do you think they can be resuming it in i don't know uae one of the a few english counties have banded together they have offered to hold it in the end of september for example is that a window do you think and is that a location do you think we can uh, see ipl completed this year i think uh, counties it's a very good proposition but i don't think that it will be possible it will be feasible everything is correlated the ipl the t20 world cup then the india have to host a series uh, for new zealand against new zealand so there's a lot of things uh, to be thought about and now it's all correlated so i can't make uh, like everything i say will be a speculation or kind of a you know just maybe an opinion but uh, go on see uh, bcci will try its best bcci will try its best to uh, conduct the ipl this year but then one to, like one tour one tournament will take a hit and of course t20 world cup i i don't think is uh, going to take the hit it has to be conducted if not in india now that is the question where the, will the t20 world cup be conducted again a lot of things depend on UAE is a possible location right it's one of the locations that's come up yeah right i mean if you were to think of it there are a couple of other neutral locations they could think of i mean this is a very very far fetched theory but there are places out there which are cricket famous or are known to cricketers but we could move there uh, we could move our cricketing bandwagon there caribbean islands are still very relatively uh, i think disease free and you could probably host a world cup there if they have the let's say the time to prepare and uh, you know uh, make the facilities available that's another option as well for me but uae seems to be emerging as one of the front runners as far as you know the world cup is concerned i don't know so this is going to be a very tight thing and we're going to probably see more than just the world cup being held we are we are also going to probably see how the cricketing world really considers it at least or how bcci considers it considers let me yeah. go back one step is ipl bigger than the world cup and then would bcci prioritize hosting the rest of ipl maybe in one of these uae or one of these other locations and not really care about the world cup but i think i think they'll strike a balance what do you think um, of course they'll try to strike a balance because we have already like the t20 world cup last year that was supposed to be in australia was postponed and now uh, they are holding the seventh edition so uh, like they are going to i don't think uh, it will be pushed further any further because there are like so many schedules to look after because once you touch like 
tamper with one uh, window you have to look for another window which becomes very difficult in this scenario because there is bio bubble the bio bubble situation which makes it very difficult for uh, boards to you know conduct a proper tournament like the ipl is half of the ipl is going to take a lot of time the t20 world cup is going to take a lot of time so, and of course there's quarantine so it will be pretty difficult i i can just i i don't know how they are going to do it it's, it looks very difficult to me right now even uh, psl is trying not uh, trying but there are speculations that psl might be held in the uae but indeed <laughs> let's see i i think uae will host some of the other tournament that is one feeling that i have the franchises have asked that uh, they move the tournament franchises of pcb yeah. uh, sorry okay. psl in this case have asked that they move the remainder of psl to actually uae but then they are talking of a june window it's sort of in the middle of the summer it's probably very tough to play any cricket there but uh, nonetheless as a place where there is very less let's say occurrence of covid and people are relatively safe in that case you can also expect that you created a bubble and it will last through the tournament so ipl ipl as well as the world cup for all of these places i think uae because of its proximity to the rest of the south asia it could be a viable place as well where uh, these tournaments could be held but really the upcoming couple of weeks are very crucial for me i think i had said on twitter a couple of days ago that how bcci really handles the fallout of this ipl's postponement and its uh, let's say impact on the world cup is going to be very very crucial and also very important in how history will see this specific board and its functioning as far as bcci yeah. is concerned you know ganguly big name a lot of big names in that uh, current people who are at helm yeah it's going to be a very tough decision but also probably will ipl come ahead of the world cup given if there are there's only one window because the same set of players you can expect will probably participate in both set of uh, matches i think it's going to be very tough but uh, this is going to be a really big test of how you know there's enough enough talk about bcci being impartial it's you know icc is called indian cricket league or indian cricket uh, council there are all these jokes that let's say certain friends of ours from south asia uh, refer to when they are referring to icc and so on but this is going to be a really crucial period as far as i am concerned from bcci perspective you also think if uh, these things are uh, going to be important on how bcci current functionaries are going to come out yeah i think uh, the other tournaments will be you know uh, hosted around the t20 world cup i don't think that the t20 world cup window will be tinkered with that's what i think in this case well i mean i think we should quickly have a chat about the indian squad that came out just a couple of hours ago for the world uh, test championship finals as well as the england tests right so they have uh, you know they have announced a 20 a main squad of 20 with four backups I mean, there are not a whole lot of surprises there. KL Rahul is in, and Rudhiman Saha is in, subject to fitness, of course. Pandey and Kuldeep Yadav have not made the squad. Again, I don't see it as a whole lot of surprise. Only in terms of Hardik Pandey, for me, it's a bit of a surprise because I was hoping he would be fit enough that he would be able to take part. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, well, at least Virat Kohli is back. No surprises there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of who else is back, Shami is back, Jadeja is back, and Vihari is back. so when it comes to these three people sort of you could have expected vihar is doing the right thing going there ahead of the test series ahead of the summer playing for warwickshire he's sort of showing his skin and also making sure he's familiar with the conditions right and then when you look at the squad well a couple of things for me that stood out but before i go there i would like to have your opinion on what you think 
whether this is a balanced squad or what going to england see bhuvneshwar kumar's and hardik pandya's exclusion it's like understandable i think hardik pandya is still not ready to bowl that's the reason that they have not picked him because the, he was there in the last england tour so now uh, bhuvneshwar kumar uh, like it's because he had an injury uh, during the last ipl and since then uh, so it's taken time for him to recover and then he came back during the white ball leg of the india england series so bhuvneshwar kumar did not have the test game time that's why i think even though this is a world test championship final and england squad like both uh, england test squad like uh, test squad for indian series like both of them combined even even then uh, they have made some choices based on players and their because what happened in australia and then in india itself like the youngsters have done so well and they have done well enough to be undroppable so i think that's why uh, the squads were announced this way I, and it's a jumbo squad they have like taken most of the players kuldeep hasn't been in form for a long time so this was expected and mm-hmm. like ishan sharma being there is like so good ishan sharma uh umesh yadav the seniors are also there so it's it's a good it's a good squad it's a very good squad the <laughs> problem is uh, of course bcs headache always the good headache of selecting players from this bunch the good headache look the way the previous uh, tour of australia went probably we should also have a quick chat about the people who've gone as you know uh, backups so there are four names there so one is uh, abhimanyu ishwaran as a opener as a backup because you know when you look at uh, people like mayank agarwal or kl rahul they could be openers but they could also double up as middle over batsmen so you have a bit of cover for the middle order so to say abhimanyeshwaran is the backup uh, opener but there are three other interesting fast bowlers yeah. who made it as you know there is you know prasid krishna no surprise and there is uh, avesh khan again one of the breakthrough seasons as far as uh, ipl is concerned for him yeah, yeah. he's really done well mm-hmm. the third bowler is uh, arzan nagwaswala yeah. he's a gujarat fast bowler but he's a left arm variety so i mean for me it's a bit surprising because he's been chosen ahead of the likes of khalil ahmed no uh, not probably... khalil not khalil jaydev not khalil not jaydev not there you go i was about to hold that back as a joke at the end uh, but you brought his name up much ahead because of all the let's say the teasing that goes on on certain social media sites about um, sir jaydev nathkat no he seriously i mean he led uh, saurashtra to a win i was re- like really heartbroken because bengal lost the final last year anju trophy and he's done so well and he's really really like i know he's a big uh, name in the ipl but i i see him as a first class cricketer very good first class bowler and of course left arm seamers have that you know in them the x factor in them and you would want them in your team and especially in the indian team i don't know why he's not like you know at least he could have been a part uh, of the backups even though he he's not a or not an uncapped cricketer but still i think in the last couple of matches in the ipl if he had come good done something special he could have probably come back into the selectors minds this was the only cricket he had so yeah i mean uh, so i i really feel that uh, prithvi shaw again was not selected again i'm just going back to the batting prithvi shaw not getting selected 
because of game time okay so he was because of his uh, like he was given one game in australia and he did not do well and then india have relied on shubman gill which is a good thing i would say when you are relying on someone just rely on him for a while so they did not do that with prithvi shaw who is in a good form i'm not uh, even though it's vijay hazare trophy even though it's ipl i would just, i would just say that uh, like prithvi shaw is that kind of a batsman he's already proven himself in the longest format is that kind of batsman you could actually give him a chance but then i think india are sticking to a set of openers and i understand why so again if and again the uh, prithisha is pretty young so he can you know uh, demand his comeback to his innings without saying anything so prithisha and jaydev unatkar i just think this is the time that india should have actually gone for jaydev unatkar his experience would have probably helped going into the finals uh, world cup uh, world test championship final he would have really been useful yeah i, I don't think uh, natkar would have been considered for the final because that's the game that Ingl- india are going to play directly so this is different because in new zealand are going to play two tests before the final and india are going to play the test after the final so that's like quite different kind of a thing so india will go with the players that have performed recently and they'll form uh, the 11 for the world test championship there so ab- about new zealand so uh, so we i would say we i call them we all the time so we uh, got our squad last month and it's a 20 man squad of course it will be six uh, like just 16 man squad for the world test championship because we have two tests before that starting on 2nd june and we had another uh, practice game against somerset which has been cancelled because english counties have decided that so there will be a intra squad uh, practice there so in the two tests we'll we have a 20 member uh, team so we can like we have two additions two like three uncapped players but two totally like uncapped players not just in uh, test cricket so the uncapped cricketer in test cricket is devin conway and the uh, two uncapped individuals are jacob duffy and rachin ravindra who have done really well uh, in domestic so they have been awarded uh, with the with the test follow so that is going to be, of course now this again this narrative is going to come like new zealand are getting game time just before uh, the world test championship in england but india not getting that but i would say that is that is part of the schedule new zealand don't even play half of the tests like half of the number of tests that india play regularly we play two tests per series and like they are like few and far between and so game time wise india don't need to worry worry about anything uh, i would say that and uh, new zealand playing tests is so good to see because we don't play as much tests so like the last we played was against west indies and it's it's been a while so that's why i would say that new zealand just getting these two tests will be very important i i can see uh, jacob duffy i don't think he'll get a chance devin conway debut is is uh, like on the cards he will play one of the tests at least given that tom blundell will be in almost all uh, like indian fans uh, first 11 for uh, new zealand they will select tom blundell but i would like to say that he has not been in form in the past two seasons there's uh, literally jeet rawal who was overlooked after the australia tour 
Chi travels like has much better average in the Plunkett Shield than Tom Blundell this season. So I would say uh, that Tom Blundell could be overlooked and Devin Conroy could come in his place. Jacob Duffy is a swing bowler. I don't think he has a he has a chance, but he'll get a good opportunity there bowling there in the nets. And Rachin Ravindra is uh, is a spinning all rounder. So again, if uh, New Zealand needs someone to bat, you know, for a uh, eleven that bats deep, then they will go for Rachin Ravindra. But even then, I think that is not possible because there is there is Santner, there is Ijaz Patel, and we have an all round seeming all rounder in Colindy Granholm and. Even though he won't be in the first eleven of most uh, fans, I guess, but I would say as a New Zealand fan that CDG is someone that we are not going to overlook. When it comes to swing and seam, I think you would do very well to include somebody like Colin de Grandhomme in English conditions, right? Late in summer. The dilemma would be we already have for the quartet, you know, the undroppable quartet: Trent Bolt, Neil Wagner, Tim Saudi, Kyle Jamieson. Now, who do you drop? But you also need the CDG with the bat, so that is going to be our dilemma. But we are, we are glad that we even have that luxury. You know, this is the best team New Zealand has sent overseas that I have seen. All right. I am looking forward to this. Before I move on, the question of we when it comes to New Zealand, how come you refer to New Zealand as we? What is the kinship? No. So, so what happened is. i started watching cricket even when i did not have any sense like i was like an infant watching cricket with my dad my dad tells stories because that's how i started watching cricket and i just have you know you you keep doing something from a very small age but suddenly you have that sense one day and you have that first memory so from from the very first memory that i have that can go back to when i was 4 or 5 years old so that the that first memory is my dad supports india so i ha- i really do like them and saurav ganguly is the captain i really like him but i actually like the my favorite first favorite was rahul dravid we were just but then again i remember supporting new zealand about them so that is my first memory of new zealand my even my dad can't explain how i started liking them they they say that love chooses you so that that's what happened with new zealand and me love wow. new zealand chose me all right so then i think we shouldn't uh, close this section without really discussing your favorite player who's looks like you know he's in a bit of trouble <laughs> at the beginning of the tour even so ross taylor right yeah so he had this uh, injury during uh, the bangladesh odis uh, first odi got injured and he has been like out since but then the calf strain it's just like a normal one he will be okay in a week before uh they uh, travel to england they'll have uh, training sessions and everything and ross taylor will be able to join that's that's what we are expecting because the coach gary stead and uh, captain kane williamson they are like totally like reliant on ross taylor even though since the world cup uh, ross taylor's form in tests has not been that good even then uh, like the experience in a final is going to like matter a lot because it's ross taylor and he's undroppable Okay, so we have moved on from him in T twenties. I I really like with a heavy heart. I have to admit that he might not be playing in the T twenty World Cup because he's not played against Australia. He's not played against Bangladesh. So 
that's what we are seeing now but in tests he's definitely going to play and i think he'll be fine in time right in time as i say from your uh, lips to the ears of the gods that your favorite player gets to play the finals of the world test championship yeah ross taylor needs to play so uh, if you were to now take a quick look at uh, the ongoing cricket there are two tests at least this one test ongoing and one that ended very recently i think we should have a quick chat about it so before we go to the test that began today i think we should have a chat about sri lanka's win over bangladesh uh, did you get to uh, see any of this match or because you are a fan of the let's say the test format i'm very curious on your thoughts on this test yeah sri lanka and bangladesh the first the first test so the first test was quite uh, the small to me because what happened there there were a few problems firstly the pitch the pitch everyone saw how it was i'm not taking away the credit like credit from any batsman like uh, several centurions in the game but then tamim iqbal batted in a way that you know every if uh, every other batsman followed his way they could have actually like you know there would have been a slight possibility of a result but then again there were like cases of bad light swap play in candy so what happened is they had floodlights but it was like decidedly decided that the floodlights won't be used so that happened again in the second test but this time in the second test it happened on the fourth day and tamim iqbal what he did like literally what how he played the first three innings he played the last innings in the same way he, he but he got out in a hurry he, he wasn't able to do it he got out in a hurry and the very time he should have actually stayed and the rest of the bangladesh batting just just crumbled down and there was pravinja vikrama doing the uh, you know uh, he was he did what he could for sri lanka it's just a brilliant debut i mean going for him like it was a he did not play the first test and sri lanka decided because mickey arthur is a very uh, i i would say he likes to win he he's working with youngsters he's just like if you are a coach international coach you take some time to build a team like sri lanka's and many a times uh, the seniors have not been available so now building a team has become very difficult now a youngster comes in now how you handle him his of course the talent is there we have seen lasith embuldenia being doing so well for the past two years but embuldenia was not there and we know sri lanka's uh, advantage in home tests and of course there's bangladesh bangladesh is asian i wouldn't say a overseas team but uh, even then they used it uh, to their best despite losing those overs on the fourth uh, fourth day but then that that was bangladesh's batting flaw the first day was very easy to bat on but from the second day it started turning it really started turning so that's when bangladesh should have you know uh, decided to actually sri lanka got to bat first and that was a good thing but then yeah bangladesh should have planned better for the last innings that's what went against their way i would say but a brilliant debut debut from jayavikrama indeed so i i'm just uh, looking forward to watch embuldenia and jayavikrama just destroy batsmen at home it's going to happen very soon a couple of things uh, you really nicely covered the important points as far as this test goes i don't think praveen jayavikrama is good enough to challenge top flight sides even in sri lanka he is a very good bowler and what he achieved on debut is really really miraculous as far as getting 11 wickets five fours in both innings that's all fantastic to hear right and indeed he won a test and what you said he was a, probably like a net bowler who would come to you know get the batsman warmed up there you go you are going to play a test match and in this case 
look i don't take anything away from that youngster he's done really well but what i saw of the final two days i can definitely tell you he's an honest good bowler and of course he'll grow he'll grow into a good international bowler right but as he stands him and lasit embuldenia bowling simultaneously against pakistan against india one of the other subcontinent nations who are good at playing spin they'll take them apart so in this case what played against bangladesh was their impatience if you look at their last innings together it's very clear what happened there yeah. because what jayavikrama did was pitch the ball in the good length region make sure he kept hitting those lengths make sure he brought the close in fielders into play and all bangladesh did was play into his own hands so yes i'm going to give tamim iqbal a pass here because he's done fantastically well in the series as a batsman as a skipper yeah the way he batted in the first test it's like commendable it's commendable when you could have genuinely just stayed there for as long as you want and just keep getting those runs like just take singles like uh, play like in his own leisure but then he did not do that he was playing for the team but then when you're playing for the team of course there's that's his style of batting also i wouldn't say that the players who are like have lower strike rates are not uh, like their intent obviously i'm not questioning i'm just saying that his model given the pitch was not had nothing for the bowlers in the first test his model was the best but then his model was the worst uh, in the last innings it was like no way bangladesh could have uh, saved but then uh, save the test but then if you see like the bad light like in hindsight if you see that the bad light thing came into play uh, if tamim had batted on it would have been really interesting to see like a very interesting final day of test and it's you know it's the best when you see a, a team trying to defend and like give give their all into defending on the last day final day batting those overs that's the beauty of test cricket right so that could have been achieved that that's what we missed out on look i mean they were five down going into the last day and if anything i think i was expecting tamim to settle down having sort of 30 40 balls of his own stuff common sense kicking in playing for the close of play looking to play into the second day or the last day right in this case that didn't happen what i blame bangladesh is for is top 6 7 getting into double digits all of them nobody even making a 50 you need somebody to just anchor you know you're not going to chase these runs these runs are not going to be chaseable it's even an indian victory in gaba is not going to happen here right you're going to buckle down you're going to just block the overs out and don't go south africa ala in their indian visit where they blocked 128 overs or whatever for 128 runs don't do that keep it realistic but in this case that's the problem and that's where i saw the impatience a little bit of impatience creep, creeping in when it came to bangladeshi batsmen for example the way nazmul hasan shanto was worked out by jayavikrama the way mushfiqur rahim was worked out so by the way the ball that tamim iqbal got could have gotten a lot of good batsmen out it was a beautiful ball it was one of those balls as a spinner i am a spinner myself you would really wish to bowl at a left hander right it dipped it turned right at the good length and you had to play it you could not let it go and he nicked it so in this case tamim iqbal is the only one that gets a pass in my book saif hasan yeah. he did his bit but still his model of batting is the way brandon mcculum batted in his farewell test when he actually like he scored amazing 
really well but then it it didn't work in favor of our team so you know that's what but then again these players who who stayed on for such a long time in the first test they could have actually you know stayed on when it actually mattered because tamim ikbal plays his own model of uh, test cricket you cannot ask him to change it so that's what i would say that that's the take away from the series there's an odi series coming up in bangladesh so this was this test series was basically supposed to be held last year so this was held this year now they have the odis in bangladesh so again right. a different like we'll get to see banindu hasaranga again in his prime <laughs> so that's what i'm looking forward to indeed i mean so am i by the way i mean he's a very exciting cricketer uh, leg break bowler one of my own and uh, somebody who bowls a very good googly so very nice to see and the hand handy with the bat so. oh as well for sure for sure yeah and coming to the it's so well against west indies okay i don't see him winning tests for sri lanka but as a limited over cricketer he's really good that's a odi i'm talking about the odis okay so in this case let's move on to the other ongoing test pakistan versus zimbabwe the second of the series first one pakistan have won quite comfortably but in the second test well pakistan looked like they were going to go into close and a 300 for 1 300 for 2 zimbabwe really up against it but i was really enthused to see the way muzarabani who's been i mean hailed yeah. as the next right hope as far as zimbabwean cricket is concerned the way he came back so after they took the new ball for the in the last 10 hours of the day he was sharp incisive and through the day between him and angarawa they got fantastic lift off the pitch they're both very tall people especially when you see them even walk past somebody like azhar ali forget somebody like abid ali or somebody who's very short somebody like azhar ali who's of let's say medium height this guy is like towering he's very tall he's viloy he reminds you of a bruce reed back in the day in garawa and maybe muzarabani of a magrath i mean it's a comparison when it comes to height no muzarabani is 6 uh, 8 good gods that's holder height isn't it 6 8 muzarabani and kyle jamison they are the tallest the test cricketers right so, so is holder i think holder is 6 8 is he yeah, yeah. like okay 6 7 yeah, yeah. it's it's for the statisticians not for us but as far as i am concerned the way he bowled he might have as well invoked one of his namesakes uh, at least in case of holder he bowled exactly those beautiful test lengths just back of a good length where as a batsman if you go front you are a little ba- behind and if you go back it's coming to your neck and in fact he hit enough people on the head i remember sajid khan towards the end of the day he got like a crunch on his i think neck uh, it hit his uh, visor it looked very nasty there i mean as a batsman remember those things if it happened to you and azhar ali and basically to begin with azhar ali and abid ali played fantastically again a short ball got rid of imran butt who looks really not really equipped against a short ball against a much faster attack god willing on a much faster pitch he's going to be found out much sooner but that's for him to work i guess on in the nets with uh, yunus khan his batting coach but he got found out by ngrava who was sort of you know setting him up by bowling to across him then one that came in and then one that came at his neck this is a three four card trick that we even expected our club level it happened and he was not ready for it and he hooked it it went straight to short mid wicket where somebody from midon came and took a very good catch but then what happened was another yeah 236 runs of partnership between azhar ali abid ali abid ali is like a old school test cricketer to give an example of your team mark richardson type cricketer who would stick there continue to block 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 has all the strokes mind you but will not play those strokes right and then he denied himself you could see it even 
even in the 90s he was quite comfortable there he was quite comfortable simply blocking the balls yeah. azar ali went past him got to 100 this guy is comfortably staying there old school old school cricketer very nice to see and he got to 100 yeah because there's plenty of time to bat there's plenty of time to bat you don't need to hurry there i mean uh, with zimbabwe i the way they played against afghanistan in uae march it was really good to see and but the the point there is they had shawn williams because zimbabwe don't have shawn williams right now they are missing out on sikandar raza there is no craig arbine so the, like the entire core is absent now that that's one reason that they have struggled so much but muzarabani has been so, so good like he also like he batted well with shawn williams in afghanistan so that even that can be explored There, there's there's obviously a chance for zimbabwe to come out of this but this series is all, already like it looks done and dusted because there's such a huge score that they are going to be you know given so i i don't think like them recovering from it a huge uh, scoreboard pressure is i don't think the team has it in themselves like a huge partnership like what azhar and abid had that's not possible here even with brandon taylor because he has not shown that kind of a, a you know form recently uh, it looks like at least at this point in time uh, it looks beyond them that they might be able to win this test but i mean for us as test match fans we really hope for a exciting contest whoever comes out as the winner we really hope it's zimbabwe because we like to support the underdogs but on all the reasons that you have <laughs> just listed out it's very difficult you know when it comes to pakistan well at least babar azam didn't want to score any runs against zimbabwe by the looks of it in tests he was happy to give his wicket away easily and there was a bit of collapse a mini collapse once the new ball was taken and uh, pakistan finished on 268 for four they're still well ahead as far as the game is concerned if they have 300 350 on the board in the first innings i think they're in a good position they have a very capable test attack they have tabish khan making a debut a sprightly 36 year old yeah it's so weird i i would like to point this out that a retired alistair cook who retired at 34 he was playing for sx today i mean he did not bat very well but then he scored a century in the last match uh, these two innings have been rather like forgettable but then a player who is 36 year old he's making a debut and not just a player he's a seamer so so you know he's making his debut at 36 and then alistair cook at 36 is retired and playing for his county but then tabish was uh, like given his cap by misba who of course again he's a batsman so he peaked he had that luxury to you know peak at uh, 35 and above but uh, tabish i don't know like what's going to happen there but 500 plus uh, fc wickets it's really like uh, he's finally getting rewarded i would say I don't know how tactical that is, but let's see. Well, I would say it's a culmination of a career well, well handled, and at the end, getting the reward at the very end. I mean, to answer your question, well, Alistair Cook actually, as nearly as an under-19 player, was flown out to play in India, and we know the rest is history, right? And somebody who starts that early has faced the pressures of international cricket that early. We've seen it in terms of many players like that, right? Michael Vaughan, uh, who's also been the captain. That's what I mean, Michael Vaughan. Uh, michael clark for example tend to take a backseat earlier they tend to go back into their mm-hmm. own they want to enjoy the rest of life when they are still younger uh, yeah. right it's it's not it's not a surprise at all we might even 
I dare say, see a certain Virat Kohli do things like this because he started very early himself. Let's not forget it. Because at 21, an international cricketer called Anil Kumble said he's the most prepared 21-year-old that he has ever seen. That's a very big compliment to be given to anybody. I see most of these players uh, retiring at their peak. Right. So even Alistair Cook, the way he batted in the last test against India, I mean, it was so heartbreaking to see. Just like I, I knew that he's now. Now it's over. It's over. Over, but then it's so difficult to you know just process that he won't be playing another game. If I were to go into real life outside of cricket, Alistair Cook is a man of the earth. He's a farmer at heart. When he has free time, he goes helps out at his wife's farm. That's what we read. I mean, at the end of his wedding, he left on a tractor back to his home, not in a big fancy car. Right? That's who Alistair Cook is. And these people have a very good, let's say, understanding of themselves and also what they want out of life. And I think. i think the english system also provides for people like this to come back into their system and contribute this is a fantastic thing in spite of the money they may have earned this is beside the point if they have the hunger to come back into the system and contribute which sir alistair cook is doing that's fantastic to see and one day i dare say we might see a sir jimmy anderson do it yeah that that's inevitable that's going to happen in any case we really hope at least people like uh, these tabish um, khan who've had a long storied career at the domestic level have gotten a chance to shine at the international level what they do what they don't do doesn't come into it it's a just reward for a career that has been going on long but has done so well so we wish tabish khan all the best on his debut there are a couple of interesting other stories we might want to look at off the field so first one is south africa's uh, cricket uh, association now at least is not under the threat of derecognition anymore so the sports minister has withdrawn his notice so that at least the board will not be derecognized as the body that runs cricket in the country and they are still going to be funded by the government and all icc so i'm hoping this is a good uh, development uh, yeah of course i mean uh, the interim board that there is there under graeme smith it's they had a similar sort of a situation last year uh, so that basically it's a, co- a continuation it's a follow up from that event so last year also the sports ministry had given them this uh, deadline that you have to prove us and it was sorted for that point and now that when icc understands that the government is uh, you know meddling with a private organizations business which is a cricket board they are going to you know take a step there it happened with zimbabwe and thankfully they are out of it but uh, imagine like south africa just losing their status and that did not happen that's a very good thing and sorted for now but it's still uh, not a permanent board it's still an interim board and they are still like the ad- administration the flaws that there are there in uh, you know the teams across africa i would say there's uh, south africa there's zimbabwe we have seen the problems so it's not going to go away at this like very moment but it's really good to see that nothing is happen- going to happen to south african cricket i mean uh, what green smith has been doing it's a great great job because uh, despite australia walking out like just uh, denying just refusing to come and england walking out they have pulled themselves up they did uh, host sri lanka in december they are not the preferred board see that that's one issue that's going to happen but like just cricketing way in a cricketing way they are doing a good job and i'm great like i'm happy that south africa 
you know, still there. I mean, they should play. South African cricket should stay. They are going nowhere. He, especially with the prospect of uh, AB Villiers coming back. Well, I mean, I'll park that on the side because I have some, uh, I have some strong thoughts on it. So I'll park that on the side. But uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. In a World Cup year, uh, we couldn't imagine a World Cup without a team like South Africa. So it's very nice to see that CSC has been recognized or re-recognized as the body that runs cricket in the country. And we hope these things are sort of pushed under the carpet and uh, there are no such other uh, you know, turbulences. Uh, but uh, well, well, we'll wait and watch on this. Another news, uh, Tisara Pereira has announced his retirement from international cricket. A uh, long servant of Sri Lankan cricket. Well, it might seem to many of us that uh, he didn't fulfill his potential fully. Does it also occur to you the same way, Shritama? Yeah, of course. Like a player like Tisara Pereira, you always want to see him play, and it's uh, he's young. He's 32, I guess. I mean, him leaving uh, at 32, this was not something we expected, and anything that comes as a shock like this, it's hard to process. I mean, even Upul Tharanga retiring this year was difficult for me to process. Like, I'm just speaking like as a fan of the game. And Tizara Pereira, who I consider as one of the most entertaining num- number seven batsmen, like whenever he plays at number seven, I just find him, I just see him as a match winner then. Or at least some, like he's going to do something at number seven. So good to see him. Like, one, like I think his best, uh, you know, at least uh, uh, three or four of his innings that I can think of, uh, like at number seven, I, I like really good, really, really good. I mean, so I'm just going to miss all that. Uh, I again think that is it's his personal decision. So we should respect that. And I think he's going to uh, play in different leagues. He's not moving away. So anytime we want to watch him, we can watch those leagues. And you know, But then again, him in Sri Lankan colours, that's something that I'll definitely miss. I mean, we really hope he continues his career as a cricketer for a few more years. But at the end of the day, as you said, yeah, he will. He will. it's his personal decision. And uh, we wish uh, Mr. Pereira all the best in his second, third, fourth innings as they may follow. So, well, in the last of the news that we want to discuss, we've heard some good news in terms of NOCs being given by BCCI for at least four Indian international women players, Mandana, Rodriguez, Thor and Deepti. Well, in this case, at least there is a chance Shefali may also join them. So, as many as five or six players of the Indian women's team. I want Shefali there. I mean, just Shefali must play that format. I mean, she is so destructive with the bat. She's one of the finest T20 batters right now. Like, very, like, not just the finest, I would say, like, the most entertaining and so good to watch her. And uh, it's a good thing. It's a good step that BCCI have taken. Uh, this is a first, and I think, like, first of many, as they say. Indeed. So, it's a very good prospect. Well, I really hope they get their act together and hold a women's IPL or women's T20 yeah. challenge as it's called. Yeah. I am more interested women's in that. IPL is something like an agenda that we have been supporting and I won't stop supporting it until it happens. And I I, I believe that it will be a success. Like, put in put in the effort. You will, you will see results. You will see results because, uh, you know, we, like a lot of people watch women's cricket. And there's like, no doubt to it. And uh, yeah, and I'm more looking forward to the test match that India are finally going to play in England. So the women's uh, test match and it's, it's, it's the one 
fixture that I'm looking forward to, but it will also coincide with the World Test Championship final dates. That's one thing that I would like to like properly criticize about BCCI scheduling. It's not fair to the uh, women cricketers. It's not fair. Well, I agree with you. I mean, they could have held it during any of the other international tests that were going on in England at the same time, right? I mean, maybe it has enough to do with BCCI as well as, as much as the ECB. So I wouldn't want to blame BCCI entirely. But look, I mean, you want your uh, women's test match to be a marquee event as well, as much as the World Test Championship. Yeah. You don't want these two to clash. So that is not after have... so long. It's been so many years. You have to know it's an important test match. It's okay. an important test match. I totally agree with you there. So. I mean, it has to happen that this generation of Indian women's cricketers have to play a women's test series, even a couple. Otherwise, they don't sort of fulfill their, um, let's say, their uh, presence at the international level, I dare say. But anyway, going on, we've sort of covered all the news that we wanted to cover. But uh, there's one final thing. It's the final of the tri-series that happened between Nepal, Netherlands and Malaysia. So because we are a podcast based in the Netherlands, it would be amiss on our side if we didn't really go through this. So. I'll quickly want to review this. So this is a final. It happened a couple of weeks ago, it must be said. So in this case, Nepal beat Netherlands comfortably. So if you are a Netherlands cricketer or a Netherlands cricket supporter, it's unfortunate. But if you look at the bigger picture, well, it's fantastic given how associate cricket has grown. So in this case, Nepal batting first made a comfortable 238 for three in just 20 hours. It's a T20 tournament, of course. And uh, Karan Kesi was declared the man of the match. Because, you know, the way he bowled, he took 3 for 11 of his 3 overs. And Netherlands, as well as they grew in this tournament, they even beat Nepal once. Nepal was the really the home team, but also the team to beat in the entire tournament. Malaysia played well, but we all expected Malaysia would not make the finals. All of these matches were, you know, available live on YouTube. So it was fantastic to see some live cricket. This is also during a lull. So in this case, at the end, it, it was sort of inevitable having scored 238. You, you wouldn't expect Netherlands to chase that down. And they were 96 all out. That was a bit of a ramp or a disaster, as they call it in Dutch. So it was unfortunate. But nonetheless, well done to the Nepali team. And Sandeep Lamichan also took two wickets, uh, another known name internationally. So well done him. And well done to Nepal, first of all, for holding this competition. The mountain nation is one of the few countries out there which are relatively COVID-free. You could say it was easy, but they had a multi-team tournament, a tri-series under these difficult circumstances, but they held it and they held it successfully. So we congratulate the Nepal Cricket Board on this and well, congratulations to the Nepal team on winning it. All right. Uh, so before we wrap up our episode, we have a we always have a trivia section. I'll ask you the trivia question from the previous episode and we'll present the trivia question from this episode. So the trivia question from the previous episode was, it was still IPL season. Which bowler has taken the most number of hat-tricks in IPL? The answer to the question may or may not surprise you is Amit Mishra, who's taken three hat-tricks. Hmm. But the trivia question from this episode is, you don't have to answer it, Shritama, you can tell me off-air, of course. Who was the last spinner before Sri Lanka's Jay Vikrama to take a 10-4 on debut? The clue is that you don't have to look too far if you are in India. All right. Thanks a lot uh, for your participation in this episode. But before we let you go, I have a question. I wanted to ask you this earlier as well, but we somehow you know, skimmed past it. How come you has actually found interest in test match cricket or first class cricket? Uh, again, it's it's the same thing. It's been like this since the start. My dad, of course, watched test cricket. And as far as I can remember, I have always loved test cricket. So that's what I used to do. Like even 
like during school days it was so difficult but then i used to come back from school even before school so uh, people had bedtime i don't remember having a bedtime because i used to watch matches with my dad so that's what happened even for australia the new zealand like new zealand test matches was so difficult for me at the start to follow but uh, uh, i did not like you know i could not see new zealand as a uh, back then i did not see new zealand as a you know test cricket test cricket team because i was more into the ashes and everything but new zealand were of course my favorite so i tried to watch as much as possible but then i used to wake up early as well at that point 5 Uh, and everything so i used to follow every australia's game and that's how and my dad is also a yorkshire fan and we were always yorkshire fans from the start and after stuart broad happened that was very young at a very young age but still after stuart broad happened i just from 2006 i just shifted like i used to i used to support australia in the ashes then i started supporting england in the ashes uh, because of stuart broad then of course i shifted from yorkshire to uh, nottingham later on so that also happened but then in county you do not see any other team as an enemy i do not see them so it's fun to watch but i know i support stuart broad but of course i have that soft corner for yorkshire and somerset so that's what i would say and of course my dad is a huge ranji trophy fan <laughs> so that's uh, that's a part of our household wow thanks for a very elaborate answer thanks a lot for participating in this episode of armchair cricket podcast so in this case it's been a very interesting chat and we hope to have you as a host or a co-host again and again where do our listeners reach out to you uh i am on twitter uh basically the the social media app to follow so my My name is Shritama Panda. S R I T A M A P A N D A. My username is Cricket Pun, which is P U N underscore D U H. So basically, you can just type out Shritama Panda and find me. Fantastic, and I would really wish you all the best in your career going forward. Thanks a lot for having me. Bye bye. Goodbye. This. is the armchair cricket podcast <laughs>